I'm Charlie Hall, and welcome to Polygon Backstory, a podcast featuring conversations about the games we play. This week, my guest is Bethany Hockenberry, story writer for Night in the Woods, an indie game coming to PC, Mac, Linux, and the PlayStation 4 later this year. Night in the Woods is the story of a cat named May who fails out of college and comes back to live in her hometown. The game is set in a crumbling former mining village called Possum Springs. Outside of a few demos at conventions and a pair of minigames, the team behind the game hasn't said all that much more about their work. For now, at least. So instead, this episode, we'll be talking a lot about Bethany. As it turns out, Possum Springs has a lot in common with the place where she grew up. Here's some of my talk with Bethany. The reason I'm asking you, obviously, so many of these really (laughs) prying questions that I don't ask of every person involved in a game project that I'm working on is because, from what I understand, A Night in the Woods is a very autobiographical project for you and, to, to some extent, to your husband, Scott Benson. Tell me more about how A Night in the Woods and and, and May and those other characters represent themes and and people that that you knew from Lewistown. I'm pretty well. It's kind of a good, like, especially the setting is definitely based on, like, where I grew up and, like, other areas that I grew up or, like, other areas around me. And also just, like, a lot of the small towns that Scott and I have lived in. Um, since we've been married and he's been out in Western PA. I grew up on what was my great-grandparents' farm. We grew up on like on the other side of the road and the old pastures. Yeah, it was just kind of like I lived down near like the outskirts of a village and it's a fairly small town. Um, one of the big things was it was um, a place called Lewistown, PA, and it was like a really big like spot for the railroad and then it just kind of just slowly crumbled because no one wanted to stop there anymore. So it was, it was just part of that big national network of, of freight lines that were moving from one coast to the other and stopping by Chicago and St. Louis. And then, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. Yeah, it was like freight and also um, like a lot of like travelers too. But then it was like, then we got cars. So it didn't really matter as much. Well, we, we got cars. We got cars as a people like in the 50s. Definitely. <laughs> So the that Lewistown has just kind of been on decline, you're saying, since since the middle of last century? Uh, yeah, probably a little bit before that. Because, like, it's also one of those towns that's, like, it has, like, the main employer was, like, the steel mill. The steel kind of went through its thing, and it just sort of just started to decline. You have this place that was basically nothing that you had to, I mean, usually people, like, got in there even before railroads. And you had to build this little, like, self-sustaining community, which is usually run by the businesses. And it's kind of just, like, one of those things of, like, what happens when that business goes away. Because there's, it's, it creates a vacuum and there's nothing else, that, like, in that town to replace it. So it's not a, it's not a failure of, of, of the town's, you know, political system. It's, it's just literally a business moved on or a business ceased to be. And that's what brought about this this situation for, for a space. Yeah, because it's one of those things, like not every area can have like this huge diverse amount of like 
oh, here's our tech industry and here's this industry. It's like these kind of grew up in, there's a physical object in the ground that we need to get out and it's right here. So it's kind of like, yeah, of course, there's going to be a lot of industry that follows that. But it's sometimes like not going to last and that does happen and it's hard to kind of plan for it. And even my town, like we've done some stuff to try to get other industry in, but it's hard to kind of like completely just change and do an about face with it. And so I just grew up with a lot of like my parents and family pointing out like, oh, this is where the zoo used to be. And this is where like the small little like amusement park was, but we didn't rebuild it after the flood. But, and it was always like one of those places where like you grew up with the same kids, like from the time you're like in kindergarten, because not a lot of people came in or left. You know, I, I, I myself grew up in a, in a fairly privileged community in the western suburbs of Chicago. You know, I, I, I had um, a, a, a really rich, vibrant community that I was part of there, being just on the fringe of the city. And, and you know, it, it's it's easy for folks like me to just look at those parts of the country, like that part of Pennsylvania, and say, well, why don't you just get out of there why don't you go someplace <laughs> larger and why don't you go someplace where there's a, a more diverse economy and more opportunities and like but that's i, I don't know it's it, it can't just be that easy no it's not like even just the fact of like physically moving it's like if you don't have the money you don't have the money it's like you can't just like up and leave and then there's just like you know family obligations and just different like job opportunities you just can't get and it's also it's like yeah some people like it there and want to stay but it's just kind of hard to make it work it sounds from from what i've been able to glean and some of the the marketing and, and the interstitial experiences that you guys have put out for a night in the woods that in a lot of ways it really celebrates these communities that that you guys come from yeah, yeah, that's one thing, like, I was definitely, because both of us have kind of, like, watched other, like, entertainment that is about kind of poor areas, and it's just always, like, this one note, like, oh, these poor people, you know, or, like, oh, this small town, like, it's obviously just fill in the blanks of whatever is awful, and it's just like, no, because it's a good, like, it's also a good place to grow up, and there's, like, a lot of stuff there, um... Like, it was always really great growing up and, like, meeting, well, you know, like, my parents' friends who knew me or could tell me stories. And I'm really into history anyway, but it, I just, it was, like, really always great to, like, have so much history behind it. And to kind of, like, walk around, like, my home and be like, oh, this is, like, where this old log cabin used to be. And this is where my grandparents, like, are from. And just kind of seeing all the changes that have happened. But so we're hoping that comes across because it's not like this dire, horrible thing to be in. There's like challenges to it, but it's not like of, an, like of itself, just this horrible place to be. And so A Night in the Woods is just kind of a, a story about those folks that are that are still there, that are left behind. Like, how, how would you characterize the the group of people that are that are in your game? Um, that's pretty much it. It's like the like kind of focusing on like who stayed and why. Um, and also like why it makes sense for a lot of people to stay there and why they would. 
I don't know who said it, Bethany, and I'm a bad host for for not knowing. But they say that I think it was an author that that said somewhat flippantly, "You can't go home again." But it's, it sounds like to me that you really like where you came from. So how have you kind of tried to mediate the the biographical and the the actual historical nature of the work you're doing with with that desire not to piss off everyone you grew up with? it's it's um yeah it's a challenge um there's there's some stuff that's like that would be in the game but it's it's like both of us have this of kind of like it's 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 a bit too personal i guess what does that what does that mean too personal right you're an artist you're you're supposed to you're supposed to put all of yourself into your work it's one of those things of like yeah you can put all of yourself in but sometimes your experiences are shaped by other people and they might not also want to be involved in that process. So I kind of like, there are some stuff where we're like, yeah, this is weird to put in here. Um, and kind of trying to be respectful of like how other people might like want to not be involved in it. Um, just even like with some like stuff with like my dad, like he's just a really private guy. Um, so it's even like some things I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, you have to kind of be mindful of some things. Um, you also have to be mindful of just like, or like, I want to be mindful of like, just making sure you represent it well, I guess. And don't become kind of flippant about things. So why a game though? Uh, because that's what happens. <laughs> Uh, yeah, basically, yes, that's what happened. Um, Alec, uh, he was doing, you know, like Towerfall and was doing awesome stuff. Um, this is, of course, Alec Haloka. Yeah, Alec Haloka. Alec Haloka, the, the, the guy doing uh, a lot of the heavy lifting with the design and the, the infrastructure, maybe we'll say. Yeah, for the game, right? uh, yeah, he uses all like the coding, design, the music. Um, um, and he like actually knows how to make a game. Um, and he saw Scott's work, his artwork, and was like, oh, that's cool, let's do something. And Scott's like, what? A video game? And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now you have been called upon to to fill what role? You're doing the writing for the game? Yeah, because um, at first, like, I, I, I didn't really want to be involved. Um, but then... Why? I, I'm just... I don't know. I'm kind of, like, not the most, like, like, I'm not really one to be like, yeah, I'm going to get out there and do this um, and be, like, front and center. Um, But then I finally did because I was just doing a lot of work. But You're like, I'm going to be doing it anyway. I might as well be doing it. Yeah, there's a thing of, like, it was one of those things, especially because I'm a woman and doing women in games and it, it felt like I should, like, be out there a bit more to be like, hey, I'm actually here. Um, and actually, like, get credit for what I was actually doing. But, uh, yeah, because, like, the story ended up evolving, kept being more and more, and so now I'm doing, like, a lot of the story writing and research and helping them with the dialogue writing and things. But, yeah, if it wasn't for Alec, though, we would not be making a game. <laughs> so we'd have no idea what the hell we're doing. So by training and by vocation, you're a fiber artist, what, what does that mean? You're a fiber artist. I mean, I, I don't, I, that doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to a lot of people, so don't worry. Most okay. people that ask me if I can make them a jacket, and I'm like, no. 
Um, I I do like uh, my main things are embroidery. Um, I do like a lot of plush, like a bunch of like different toys. And I just kind of traveled around and sold. Um, I made little plush squid and embroideries. So little, just kind of plush novelty animals that people would collect and, and just kind of put on their mantelpiece at home as as, as art items. I, I made like little stories to go with each one of them all the time because I need to like create like backstories for everything I make because um, I just enjoy it. So I just like have a little tag and they'd have like their own names and stories and like why they needed to come home with you. I did a squid of the month club so people would just give me a list of like their likes and their hobbies or like any interests and I would just like everyone send them a squid. I made a squidtivity <laughs> which I sold for a couple years. <laughs> there's like a little baby squid Jesus that they like keep out until Christmas and then put it in Christmas night. I don't make them anymore because I kind of, I retired <laughs> uh, from that, but I still make other plush and everything. And also very famously, you were responsible for hand making all of the little May plush <laughs> cats that went yeah. out to a lot of your Kickstarter backers. All told how many may plush did you handcraft i think it was close a little it was either close or a little above 200 and how long did each one of those take you a really long time <laughs> <laughs> i've kind of blocked out how long it took i that was like one of those things because we never did a kickstarter so i was like no one's gonna want a plush but we'll just put it up there i'll make maybe like 10 now, I know you guys aren't quite ready to, to really introduce May and all of her friends to, to people yet, and you're going to hold off a little bit longer on that. But, you know, what is it? what has the process been like to, to write for these characters, to put the words into their mouths? It's weird because it, it's like we've done small things before, but never anything to like this degree. Like, and it's such a very, very involved world that we've built. And so it's weird because then you just end up like thinking about them all the time. <laughs> How do, you, how do you mean? You, you just kind of wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night and, and May is just kind of there with you? Yeah, or like whenever we're working on like a specific thing, like right now, Scott's working on a part with May and B talking. And so like you're just thinking like, oh, I wonder what B would say. Like, would this actually be her reaction or would it be this? And then you just keep buying your groceries and keep thinking about it just everywhere you go. <laughs> Because they're just like there and it's going to be really weird when it's over because like you live with it. And we've been doing this for like two years, I guess a little bit more than that. And they've like kind of are just here all the time, <laughs> which sounds really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but, of, but of course you're, you're into this textile work. So that like literally they're here all the time. Yeah. Like <laughs> literally there's parts of like May's face in my drawer. <laughs> You can find out more about Bethany and her game at nightinthewoods.com. Music this week is from Alec Haloka, coder, co-creator, and composer for Night in the Woods. You can find Polygon Backstory online at polygon.com slash backstory and on iTunes by searching for Polygon Backstory. It's also where you can rate my show and leave a review, which would mean an awful lot to me. If you'd like to reach me personally, drop me a line at charlie at polygon.com. You can always find me on Twitter at Charlie underscore L underscore Hall. Thanks for listening.